Barbados, what's up? This is Caribbean Power Lunch, where we feature Black-owned businesses. I am your host, Kevin Valley, and today we are dialed in to BIM with my good friend, a global shaper, TV show host, fashion designer, magazine publisher, philanthropist, and of course, an award-winning young entrepreneur. Podcast World, we welcome Tony Thorne to Caribbean Power Lunch. Tony, what's up? I'm good. I'm good, Kevin. How are you? I'm better than ever getting intro like that before. <laughs> um, not with the sing-song accent. So you see, accent. a bigger Barbados, Tony, a bigger Barbados, I gave Barbados love, <laughs> and they come for the accent I'm already. I'm not dissing you. I'm not dissing, I'm not dissing Trinidad. I'm not dissing your accent. I, I actually like it. I do a very horrible Trini accent. I'm not even going to attempt it. Oh, well, one of you hear my Bajan accent then? No, that's horrible. <laughs> All right, maybe I'll edit that out. <laughs> maybe I'll edit that out. <laughs> no, it's actually funny. <laughs> All right. So, Tony, all right. So, with all these yeah. various things that you do, there must be a common theme. So, if you could tell us in one or two sentences, what is the common theme of your personal mission? I would say um, two words, to engage and to empower. So, that's basically it. Um, and I would add, well, in order to engage and to empower, you have to create things or you have to be part of things that push the envelope or elements of society that, you know, challenge the status quo. And that, I think that would be the theme of my life. Okay. Well, all right. Well, let's get into it. Let's challenge the status quo and yeah, let's see what we sure. can do here. <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> Pompacet Video Zine. Now, I mean, I was lucky that I could yeah. say that properly the first time I tried. <laughs> but for those you who mean can't, Pompacet, Pompacet, you know, Pompacet. It's it's a it's a it's a Bajan word. I don't know if y'all say it in Trinidad. I don't I think they say in in Antigua too, which kind of means to show off, you know, to be bold, to you know, if you say, oh look, this person going down the street, Pompacet, and they're really doing, they're really feeling themselves. So oh. I kind of like the term, and um, I. Went with it. Okay. Okay. All right, so what is Pompacet about? The magazine itself. Well, Pompacet started as a, it started as a magazine, um, kind of wanting to highlight millennial Caribbean, uh, Barbadian and Caribbean culture, um, and persons that fall into the creative industries, whether you were a designer, um, a chef, a promoter, a gymnast, an aerial silks instructor, just wanting to curate um, Caribbean culture, fashion and culture in a tasteful and relatable way for millennials. It kind of transitioned and, and became more than that um, because, if I'm honest, because of the fluctuating uh, printing costs in Barbados and, you know, it wasn't really sustainable to build a business on something as, as big as printing costs and you don't know how much printing costs would be three months, six months from when you were doing business. So I couldn't tell within three months how much printing costs were, would be. So I couldn't do forecasts and I couldn't, I couldn't look to make my business sustainable. 
for that, she turned out to be a good thing because it gave me the opportunity to branch out Pompasat into, a, a, you know, making the business a lot bigger than just being a magazine. And I'm happy for that because I'm seeing the printing area kind of experience a lot of challenges when people don't complain about the high printing costs or the logistics of printing. They're complaining about, you know, competing with digital and, you know, calling printed magazines kind of like a dying breed. I don't think it's a dying breed, but I do think that um, in many instances, people have not embraced digital as quickly as they ought to have done. Okay, so why wouldn't you say it's a it's a dying breed? I can't say that it's a dying breed. For example, I don't like ebooks. I like reading. I like literally buying my book on Amazon, having it shipped here. I like hardback books, not paperback. I like reading the book. You know, I like the experience of reading the book. So I am sure that there are many other people like myself. So I can't say it's a dying breed. I would say it's a transitioning breed. I don't know if we will come to the day when people don't read books how we have traditionally read books or read information like that. Actually, I was watching something the other day and it said that books will be a lost concept in 50 years. How our children will learn is that they will learn by video. I read or I heard somebody say that. So I don't, I don't know. I can't predict the future like that. And I don't want to predict the future like that. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting, right? I personally, I could see the value in holding a book in your hand. Like, I like that feeling too. I like smelling new pages and everything. I like you sit down with it in your bed, you go wherever it is. You get more of that emotional connection, I guess. Yeah, that's correct. So how do you continue to have fresh content to produce on the show? I looked at a, a few episodes in my research, you know, I, I know you saw me like in your Instagram post at two in the morning and wondering <laughs> what, what is wrong with me. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. I what? didn't. I didn't wonder. So that. do you have a fear that um, you will run out of content to produce or other ideas and stuff? No, not at all. Because we produce content every day in our everyday life. I don't have a fear running out of content. For me, that is at the total bottom of the totem pole. I never even thought of that. So, Tony, you studied economics and law, right? Economics and accounting. I did economics and accounting at UE, and then I did law at the University of London. Okay, okay. How was it for you starting a TV show? Was it awkward for you, I mean, without having the textbook media training, or, or were you comfortable, you know, being a competition winner in the past, a global shaper? traveling from South America to Asia, interviewing the presence of Coca-Cola, presence of Panama, what would you say like that made you more comfortable in starting the show? I'm always comfortable creating things because I think that I'm an entrepreneur at heart. And the best kind of entrepreneur is not only the one that's passionate, but the entrepreneur that understands business. And if I wanted to start, let's say, a perfume, I know that the smart way to do it is to surround myself with people that know what they're doing and know what they're doing well. So I'm never really afraid to start something because I know that you hire or you work with people that are strong in areas that you are weak in. Simple. Well, so you have no qualms about hiring people when it starts off. Because many people like to start off lean. They want to try and do everything by themselves like Kevin. I, I do. I do that. I do start off lean. I always, always, always do the lean way. 
but I'm not going to try to do something that I know that I'm not good at because it does the business a disservice. I should take your advice. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. At this point in time with, with Sweetheart Sandals, when I started out, I wasn't making the shoes and then something really bad happened that then I had to go and learn how to make the shoes and now I'm making the shoes. But I know that I can't be making the shoes two, three months from now because my talent is in design and in managing the brand. My talent is not in necessarily, although I do a great job and I have two assistants, my time is best spent doing what I know I can do best and getting persons to do what I am not number one at okay. in the business. So you Because say- now I have carpal tunnel syndrome. So, you know, it's just, it's just knowing when, when you have to, to really suck it out and knowing when it's time to, you know, sacrifice and say, hey, I won't go to the next level, but I can't go to the next level at this level. So would you say winning sponsors is one of your one of your talents? People say so. I like people for the most part. I like a challenge and I think I'm a genuine person to the point that in this case, if I come to you and I say, Kevin, I have a proposition for you. You know those people that when they call you and they, oh my God. You know people that when they call you <laughs> and they say, I have a proposition for you, you automatically roll your eyes because you know it's going to be a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah. I, I, <laughs> I are opportunists, right? I see myself as the opposite of that. So if I go to somebody and I say, listen, I have an opportunity for you. Is genuinely that I have an opportunity for you. Yes, I plan to benefit, but I'm not coming to the table just with what I plan to eat. Anytime I come to the table, it's going to be beneficial to both me and my life and the persons that I'm sitting on the table with. Win-win. So having that premise, I think anybody that I then go to their table, I think they would understand that and they have thus far understood it. And it has worked well for me. And people understand the benefit of being a partner or coming on board or sponsoring whatever it is thus far that I've brought to the table. I've been fortunate in that area. So I guess I might be good. I must be good at it. (laughs) All right, good. So being good at these things, right? What aspect of your show do you obsess about the most? So for instance, for me, with this podcast, I spend maybe 70, 75% of my time editing episodes and maybe the other 25, 30 actually researching guests and conducting interviews. So when I like your post at 3 in the morning, that's my 25%. Okay. I'm kind of like the opposite. So I think I need to get a little bit more like you. I need to focus more on the technical. My thing is engagement and connecting with people. So I'm more focused on Okay, who am I going to interview? Is the person that I'm interviewing, one, is it going to be something interesting? Is it something also that I personally am interested in? Is it going to connect with persons? Are people going to change it one minute in? Are people going to lean into the television or to their computer one minute in? Are they going to pause it and call everybody else around their cubicle to watch it? Is it going to bring good ratings? Are my sponsors going to be pleased? And all that comes down, in my opinion, to authenticity and people's need to connect. 
So for me, I think that those things that I've listed kind of trumps quality because I'm sure that you've been sent viral videos on your phone where the audio wasn't good and the, the lighting wasn't good, but it touched your heart. It probably gave you, um, you shed a tear, highly unlikely with you being a man. But um, <laughs> are you are you cackled out for like a good minute and and watched it again and again and again and again and and you weren't even thinking about you know the technical quality. So I think personally that's where I focus most of my attention on. But I think I could definitely do with focusing a little bit more on the technical. A little Tony, you are right. I am wrong. I need to go to bed. It's up spending all these hours editing episodes. I just I never said that. I people just to come for me. focus on stalking my guests at all hours in the morning and learning everything about their lives. I should just do that. <laughs> Tony, you are so right. This is like a eureka moment. I'm, I'm actually usually in bed by 8.30. Whoa. Yeah. Because I used to be up late. All right, so starting off the show, what was the biggest challenges you had back in 2013? Okay. Convincing people that I would work, convincing people that people would watch it, convincing professional media persons that it would bring something different to the table, and convincing persons that prospective videographers, etc., that I didn't have as much money as they thought that I had, so their exorbitant quotes were not going to get very far. <laughs> So negotiations is part of your your skill set as well. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Now that your show is a big success, I mean, you're across in thirty different countries. I'm trying, yeah. How you do that? That's interesting. I think how I did what? No, how did you get your show syndicated across thirty different countries? I think that would be um, valuable for the listeners. Picking up the phone and calling people. We think that things are so difficult. You know, rocket space science. But don't underestimate getting some good elbow grease in and just doing the work. Where there's a will, there's a way. And, you know, life is a lot simpler than we may think. Okay. And did you get a lot of opposition from these people? If I did, it wasn't anything that I had held on to. All right. You just keep pressing. Yeah, for sure. Just keep pressing. Understand that a lot of people's rejection of you or a lot of people's negative responses towards you have, in a lot of cases, not as much as you may believe to do with you. Yeah, it's really about themselves and their, their own insecurities and their own fears, right? I mean, some of it may be you too. I, you know, I don't want to give those hot or dirty wrong impression. Whoa. Or people that are very obnoxious or, you know, people that have elements of them that, as we all do, need to change, I would say for the most part is a reflection of them, but sometimes you gotta say and ask yourself, you know, is what this person is saying true? Is the energy that this person is meeting me with, is it as a result of the energy I'm bringing to them? So now that you're ready, that you're big and you have a large following and viewership, what sort of challenges do you face now? Kevin, if I'm honest with you. Please. <laughs> I don't see, okay, so People feel, I mean, the, 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 the cliche or people think that Instagram and Facebook and social media is legit real life. It's an aspect of life, but it's not the whole thing. So people then assume that because you have a lot of followers, let's say you have 5,000 followers, that you have 500,000 in the bank, you know, and it doesn't work like that. 
So there's the assumption that the more followers somebody may have on social media, um, they have an exorbitant amount of money. So then you have to literally sit down and be like, no, this is not the case. What I'm saying that I can afford is legit what I'm saying I can afford. What are the challenges? To be honest, I embrace challenges. And I don't want to sound cliche, but it's the truth. So I can't say right now that I'm experiencing I'm experiencing challenges that I don't embrace. Any challenge that I have right now is one that I'm embracing because I know it's, I have to go through it to get to the next level. Now speaking of next level, you're a fashion designer now? You are a clothing and fashion No, I group. used to be. I used to be. I had a summer camp at the age of seven. But Buick was legitimately the first business that I had. Um, I started that once I was at University of West Indies, UE. I would have gone to like all the major fashion shows in the Caribbean. I was regarded as the Caribbean princess of fashion, unquote, and all these kind of really lovely terms that were very endearing to an 18-year-old girl like me. At that point in time, I won um, Caribbean Fashion Awards the next-gen design of the year. I was featured in the London Times. My designs were featured in the London Times. So I would say that experience was a good one. But now you are also in the fashion game. You got sweetheart sandals. Yes, for sure. So um, I didn't. I wanted to go back into design. I really like fashion, but I didn't want to compete with all the fashion designers that I would work with or interact with doing pomposet. So I decided that if I do a product, it should complement all of the existing fashion designers I interact with via Pompasset, via the show. And I thought that to do a shoe line, a sandal line would be best because you can't have an outfit without shoes. Fair. What makes Sweetheart Sandals stand out? Like, what, what is it about it? I think at this stage, from the intel that I've gotten, it's the designs, it's the very funky leather. Um, the leather is very pretty. The textures that we use are not those knock on wood that currently are being used by handmade sandals. Everything is handmade. Everything is hand cut. Every aspect of the shoe is made with love. And I think the brand has really resonated with persons that patronize it and persons that follow the page, persons that like the brand. All right, so you're sourcing materials, you have to manage the production process, inventory, customer service, all the while you have a TV show going on, you got the video zine yep. going on. So how do you manage yep. all of that? Going to sleep early and waking up early. That's how I manage it, Kevin, to be honest, because my TV show is basically me. For the most part, I do the majority of work with Sweetheart. I also consult with the tourism board here. I consult with other companies here in Barbados, corporate Barbados. I am an event producer. I have other businesses with other persons. So my plate is very full. And then I have a personal life as well. So I try to do my best where I can and until I can't. And when I can't, get extra hands. So that's how I manage. Okay, because you seem to place a strong emphasis on your personal touch in all your various projects. How do you get comfortable delegating tasks to your team and trusting that they'll be that the products or your shows or everything will be produced to your liking? Well, you said the word trust. So trusting that they're going to do. 
I, I am comfortable with someone if I trust that they are going to do the right thing. And in doing the right thing, it means that they're going to do the job that they have been brought on to do at a great level, an excellent level, and trusting them that they're going to act with honesty and integrity, which is a big thing for me. I am all about, you know, honesty, integrity, just having some level, modicum of values and morals. So I get comfortable delegating work to you if I know that you pass those two tests of trust, being good at your job and being a good person. Because I can't do my job if I'm looking around my shoulder all the time at you. All right, let's get into the um, advice. So what practical and actionable advice would you give to listeners who would like to follow in your footsteps? And become an ambassador for their country's success and progression like in the economy and how to... The first thing is that I, I feel that people need to have their own footsteps. We're living in an age now where individuality is a gift. So I would first tell persons, don't try to walk in somebody else's shoes. If you want to take the same path as them, that's fine. But you could take a similar path or the same path, but walk in your own shoes, you know. That's the first thing I would tell people because the imitation is never as good as the original. This is not with me. This is in just in general in life. People work so hard to be somebody when they've had themselves for all their life. So that's the first thing I would tell persons. How do they get to execute on their plans as well as you did? So I know you have this phrase that you um that you made at at, at the Ministry of Youth event. At the Ministry um, of Youth event that I saw you on, on your life, right? You said create. <laughs> that's fine. Create, innovate, innovate and, make it, and make it happen. We understand the create and innovate part, but how do we get? To making it happen. I think that's that's the challenging part. I think that's the stumbling block where people encounter. But the, the thing is, is that the challenging part should be the easiest part. Just get up and do. Like, so many people write, and I love it. I love people that send messages and asking for advice and stuff. And I would say 60% of the answer to the questions or to the situations could just be answered with get up and do it. People come with, oh, my dad told me that this and my mother and I can't seem to do this and I can't seem to do that and nobody likes it and probably nobody likes it because it's not good. You think every idea that I had was a good idea? No. You think every business I tried to launch was... I found... I found um. And I have it in my study. I found this piece of paper that I had done. It was an entertainment company. And I probably did it when it was a teenager. And I looked at it. I was like, oh, cool idea. But it didn't work. You know, there's so many ideas that I had. I wanted to do like a kind of like a coffee shop. Not a good idea. Not a good location. Not a good time. Competitors. So, I mean, there are ideas that I had that turned out to not be for me. And I'm sure everybody has those things. But if you have the conviction and you think that, okay, this idea could really work, why wouldn't you get up off of your butt and do it? Everybody has issues. Everybody has issues. People come on, and especially in the Caribbean, people come and they think, oh, she got to do this because of who her parents are, or he gets to do this because he comes from money, or he has money. There's so many people that have money that are lazy as hell and cannot get a business off of the ground. All of their projects have failed. And then... You have people that 
don't have all that money, but they're getting up every morning and doing what they need to do because they want to go to next level. They want to be able to put their children in a, in a position that they didn't have. Kevin, I don't work this hard so that my children could could have the experiences that I had. I want my children, and I had great experiences. I want that if I had an experience of 8 out of 10, I want that my children have 10 out of 10 experiences, and I am not going to spoil them. I work hard to protect and to guard my legacy, and a big part of my legacy would be my children. So nobody that has that get-up-and-go mentality will tell you otherwise. Okay. So what do you think about the whole premise of people that say they they have a plan, they want to take action, but they want to research first. They want to research and research and research first. before. I they... know somebody that used to do that. They research themselves into oblivion. It's called they analysis paralysis. Into oblivion. Huh? I said it's called analysis paralysis. Yeah, you know, what it really is is that there are a lot of people that get highs off of talking about what they're going to do. And they also get highs off of researching because it gives them the impression that they're already doing it. It's a mind trick. The only high that you can get is actually doing it and actually seeing it happen and actually seeing it work and actually seeing it succeed. There's no perfect idea. It's never going to be the perfect time. So just do it. I just recently won an award and it was a pitch competition where we had to do like a business plan and stuff like that. And it was a good experience. I really like many assets of business, so I had a good time. But I've encountered so many persons that focus so much on the business plan and not on the business. You don't need to have all your ducks in a row. You know, oh, we need to draft a concept document, and then we need to do this, and then we need to do a feasibility study, and this and that. Come on, just do it. (laughs) Just do it. Just take action, right? Yeah, Nike said it. So did Tony. <laughs> Tony, how can people find you for feedback, patronage, and mentorship? People can find me on social media. Tony Sarn, T-O-N-I, last name T-H-O-R-N-E. Public figure. You can message me on LinkedIn. You can message... <laughs> no. <laughs> you can message me on LinkedIn. You can message me. I don't really... I only started by using LinkedIn within the last month. But you can message me on LinkedIn. You can message me on Instagram. You can message me on Twitter. I think it will come through on Hotmail. I haven't tweeted in a while. You can message me on, yeah, those are the ways. And I always respond. I always respond. Hey, listen, Tony, we looking to wrap up yeah, here. You know, this, was, this was like a real power lunch. This was quick. I mean, you and concise. You, yeah, you are not superfluous at and, talk. And my belly at full. Was that? I said my belly is full. <laughs> I did lunch. All right. Nice, nice, nice. All right, Tony, thanks a lot for coming through. Is there anything... Thank you so much, Kevin. No problem at all. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you would like to leave us with? I feel like there's some stuff you want to get off your chest, you know? No, because I believe in in doing and not talking about what I'm going to do. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on social media. If you've got any questions, just let me know. And God bless you and just go after your dreams. This is not a dress rehearsal. You only got one chance. And the worst thing is to be old and bitter and look back 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years and say, I wish I did this. Or this person came up with my idea and then you end up being bitter. You hate everybody around you. That's the worst thing to be. So just get up and do what you got to do now. There you have it. Podcast World, just 
do it. Tony Thorne, thanks a lot for taking this call. Thanks a lot for no, taking thank the time. You, Kevin. you know, it was nice catching up with you again. Hopefully I'll see you for again sure, other than sure. other than when you come to Trinidad for Carnival. I'm working out bad. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Bye. Cabin Studios, Bimshire, we are out. <laughs> <laughs>